Welcome all of our campuses, our Appleton campus, Germantown campus, Brookfield campus, Milwaukee campus, online. Wherever you're connecting with us today, we're glad that you're with us. And man, look at your neighbor and just say, you look rested. Just say that right now. You look rested. Man, those bags under your eyes last week were atrocious, but today you look awesome. I always love this weekend. You, do you realize that this weekend is like the second largest attended weekend of the entire year at church? No joke. So the first is Easter. It's the largest weekend in America that people go to church. The second is when we fall back, you get an extra hour of sleep, right? So I, I was like, man, this is going to be a great, great, great day. Now at four o'clock, we're all going to hate it, but right now we're loving it. Amen. So again, it's, uh, it's good to see you here today. It's good to have all of our campuses. Uh, is, uh, we're one church, multiple locations. And so it's great to be able to, to do that and share with you today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm going to look at verses 11, 12, and 13 today. And, uh, and then uh, it's, and if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen when we get there. But we're beginning this series, this, this series for the next couple of weeks called Palms Up. And... Um, most people go through life very, um, like, it, life is closed. It's like clenched fists. Whatever, whatever's in my hand, I am not letting go of. I have a death grip on it. We're, uh, it unfor- unfortunately, a lot of times it's like a toddler that's like mine, mine, mine. And it feels like in the last couple of years with some of the craziness going on in our world that people have even more taken this posture of, of a kind of a closed hand. And the problem with that is, is twofold. Number one, when your hand is closed, you cannot fill it with anything else new. And, and the other thing is, is that when your hand is closed, you're basically saying, I'm in control and I'm going to, I got it from here. And in the Old Testament, a guy named Job tells this, this declaration to the Lord and a statement about the Lord, where he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And I just want to talk to you in, in this series of the next couple of weeks about living life palms up. Because it's very easy in the world that we live in to live life palms clenched. Uh, it's very easy to live like kind of palms down. It's my hands in my pocket and I'm just kind of doing my thing and just kind of biding my time. But to live like palms up means that I have this position of surrender. I have this, this posture of openness. I have this trust in the Lord to say, God, whatever you want to do, I truly trust that you're going to fill my hands with whatever you want. And if there's something that's there that you want it, it's yours. You know, I always say this, there's nothing wrong with having things. There's just something wrong when things have you. Do you know how you can keep things from having you? Palms up. Just living a life that is this way. So how do you do that? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because this week and the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like. Today, I want to talk to you about living life palms up when it comes to your time. When it comes to your time. Interesting, it's daylight savings time, isn't it? Yeah, don't applaud, just throw money. Okay, here we go. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to get right to there. And out of this, Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. And he says, he basically gives them three questions and we're going to look at today. It asks questions about your time as, as far as living life palms up. It's been said, and I agree with this, a bank statement and a calendar are probably the clearest representation of what you value. If you look at where you spend your money and where you spend your time, it's the clearest representation of what you value. Not what you say, not, not what you verbalize, 
Not what you put down. If I say, okay, what are the top three things? Well, you're at church. You're going to say God, right? I mean, it's like, he's number one. Is he really? So look at what you give with your finances and look at what you give with your time. Where is he? Oh, it's, it's, it's my, my, my family. My, my family's in that top three. Well, look at your finances. And if you have teenagers, you're probably really, if you have teenage boys, you're going through milk like crazy right now and, and all these products. But, but where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your time? Oh, it's my marriage. It's my marriage. Where are you spending your money? Are you still dating each other or did you quit that? Because again, in order to stay married, this is, boy, this is a full contact sport. Amen. In order to stay married a long, long time, it's where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your time? Three questions that he asked, and I want to give you these questions, and then we're going to walk through this passage together. The first question about where you spend your time and what you value most. Will you live a life by default or by design? If you're taking notes, you can write down that statement. Will you live a life by default or by design? Again, this is for you to answer. This isn't for me to answer. This is a question for you to answer and reflect upon. Will you live your life by default or by design? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul says this, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. This is the English Standard Version, the ESV, which is probably the closest translation that we have to the original Greek this is written in. As a matter of fact, that word idleness there means disorderly or undisciplined. We hear that some of you walk in a disorderly or undisciplined fashion. You know, the old saying that idle hands are the workshop of the, of the devil. Corey ten Boom, the, the great Holocaust survivor, said this, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. Busybodies in the original Greek language is to busy oneself with trifling, needless, useless matters. Let me say that again. When he says you're, you're, you're not busy at work, but you're busy bodies, it's to busy oneself with trifling, needless, useless matters. And other, in other words, you are majoring on minor things and minoring on major things. So when you think about it for a moment, are you living life by default? You're just busy. You're just busy. You're just busy. You're just doing. Or is it by design? You know, we talked last weekend at the Germantown campus about, hey, man, about having a dream. And what's the dream that God's put in your life? And I'm really big into this about it's not what I can do in the next five years or in the short term. It's what can we accomplish in the long term. It's the long play. Remember the tortoise and the hare, the, the children's parable that we learned, you know, the, the tortoise and the hare start out and the, tor- and the tortoise is just slow and methodical, and, but the hare is just going and going and, and he's just going here or there. But eventually at the end of the race, the tortoise beats the hare. Why? Because the, 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 the tortoise is, is focused. He's, he's disciplined. Uh, uh, he, he, it's on the, but, the, but, but the hare is just kind of here, there, and everywhere, just very busy. Which is you? What, what, what's your long-term play? What, what, what are you doing? I mean, I talk to my kids this way. Hey, where do you want to arrive? Talk to me about where you want to get to. What does life look like in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years? Again, we don't have all the answers. I get that. And life happens. I get that. And, but at the same time, like, think about where you want to get to and get to that place and then breadcrumb your way back. Little Hansel and Gretel right there. Just kind of work your way back to where you are. What is it going to take for you to do? Is it education? So design or default? Is it, is it, because it's not about making money. Life is not about making money, contrary to popular opinion. 
Money is a horrible taskmaster. It's about living life on design. It's about having a purpose. It's, a, it's about, because even if you live life on purpose, you're going to have days where you're going to feel like, man, is this worth it? Am I really making a difference? And sometimes you can think, well, but you don't ever deal with that because you're in the ministry. Do you really? There are days I just go, does anybody, it's like Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone? Because at the end of the day, the reality is, is, is that only eternity really reveals what we do for Christ. We don't know. So we're intentional, but we don't truly know the full outcome. We don't know what life looks like on the other side. We don't know where we've sown the seed and where it's germinated and where it takes root and where it takes harvest. We, we don't know. And there are moments where we get a glimpse. There's moments where we, where we get this, what, like when we talk about like greater giving, we try to give you updates and where things are going. Why? Because we want to try to, this side of eternity, show you a glimpse, but I can't show you all the lives that are impacted. I can't take you to the home of some kid who's got a single parent and, and, and because you gave and there were groceries this season, they ate. And it was in this season, it was one of those layers that God used you and your giving to be able to minister to a family in need. And all of a sudden that family then goes to the Milwaukee campus or they go to another German, a life church campus and they, and they show up at a campus and their life gets changed. And all of a sudden the entire trajectory of their life changes because of your kindness. I, I can't always show you that, but I can just show you parts. And the truth of the matter is we got to think, what's the long play? Where's the long thing? Where, where, where do I want to be in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years? Is there a design to this? Why am I going to college? Why am I in this relationship? Why am I doing this? Where is this going to? It's long play. It's where I'm trying to get to. And Paul says, don't just fill your life with being busy. I hate this phrase. I'm busy. I'm busy. Everybody's busy. You know, my mom, she's probably watching today. Hi, mom. Because she always texts me at the end of that. That's the greatest message I've ever heard you preach. And I'm like, oh, it's my mom. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's a spiritual gift. Should the Lord take her on before me that someone's going to have to stay in the gap and text me every week about how great my preaching is. I'm just, <laughs> but she's always like, well, I said, mom, dad, why don't, you, why don't you guys come? Well, you're busy. And I've said this multiple times. We're, we're always busy, mom. This is how I live my, I don't live my life by default. I live it by design. This is where I'm trying to get to. This is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. And, and I wanna do what God's put in my heart. So there are intentional strategic things that I do along. And then I give room, just a palms up. God, you feel it. You do what you wanna do. But here is my life. Here is, I'm doing everything that I have the ability to do. I'm trusting you with the rest. How do you live your life? Busy? Busy's not productive. I even say this to if you ever work at Life Church. It's I don't pay for busyness. I don't care how many hours you're clocking in. I pray I pay for productivity. Show me what you've accomplished. Show me the lives that are changed. Show me what's going on. Show me how you're moving things forward. Everybody in the organization, we all have certain goals, certain what we would call key performance indicators, KPI that are spiritual. Don't, don't get all business on me, but they're spiritual that are connected to what's the mission of Life Church? What's the vision of Life Church? What's going on? Is, are we just happenstance? Oh, no, no. There's a very intentional way that we do things. Even the way that we're doing buildings and how we're, we're, we're refurbing and renovating buildings and what's going on. There's a continual process about this one, this one, this one. There's a sequence of events. And again, we get curveballs like anybody else, but there's this long play, long desire, long whatever. And so with the staff, here's what your job is and here's your portion of the pie of what we're trying to accomplish that we feel like God's put in our heart and here's the mission and here's our values and here's what goes on because nothing is just we just get up and have church 
We're just going to get up and just do this and just see what happens. It's not like the famous last words of any redneck. Hey, watch this. We don't do that. (laughs) Well, if you plan it, it's not the Holy, you're going to plan the Holy Spirit out of it. No. The Bible says that God, God uh, created this world, that Jesus was slain from the very foundations of the world, Isaiah says, which means God has a plan and a purpose from the very beginning. God is not happenstance. Our interaction with him is spontaneous. He himself is not spontaneous. God is very much, here's how this is going to be. And thank God he is because when sin entered the world, he had a plan and his name is Jesus. It's not the church. The church is just to tell the world about Jesus. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the savior of the world. So do you live life by by default or by design? Second question. Will you do what, will you do work that matters? Will you do work that matters? I'm gonna explain this. Will you do work that matters? Look at verse 12. Now such persons... We command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. To do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So let me say this. Work is not a result of sin. Work existed in the garden before sin ever entered into the picture. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 tells us. Work is an original part of God's key design. In our life, this is the reason why when someone gets terminated from a job, it's so devastating, especially if their purpose is connected to that work. This is the reason why people that don't have purpose typically don't work or the work is meaningless because there's no meaning connected to the work. God gave Adam and Eve both job descriptions of here's what you're supposed to do on this planet and here's how you're supposed to operate within this ecosystem that I've placed you in, this garden of Eden, this place of perfection. And, and, and said, but, but, but somebody said, well, yeah, but when sin entered the world, then, then work became hard. Yes, it became hard, but it still existed. It was still there. Before God ever instituted the church, he instituted family and work. Man, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Because the truth of the matter is, is it doesn't matter how high you jump when you're shouting in church and lifting your hands. It's how stretch you walk when you hit the ground. It's what you do Monday through Friday that matters. Because everywhere you go and every place that you do, how you work your life and what you do with your work matters. The question is not, will you work? We'll all work, or most of us will. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get in those weeds this morning. But will you do work that matters? That's the question. Will you do work that matters? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. Most of us are seeking God, but if we're honest, I wonder how many of us are seeking him first? God, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? Where am I at? And you go, but Aaron, I'm in the middle of life. Then just say, God, I got here by default and not by design. But if you'll help me, I will step into the design that you have for me as best I can. God, you're gonna have to work the details out because I've got myself in a mess. But if you'll help me, I will step into the design that you've called me to. See, put it on him. Why? Because the Bible says that when when Christ, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. So what do you do? You cast your cares upon him. 
You cast your cares upon him. I would encourage you as you're reflecting on today's message at the end of the service today at every campus, you're going to have a time just to kind of reflect and the band will come out and do a song. And maybe you need to say, God, forgive me for, for burdening myself. For, forgive me for just doing things by default and not by design. God, help me to be able to be able to give this to you and surrender this to you in such a way. And Lord, I'm here. And if you'll work out the details, I'll do what you want me to do. Maybe, just maybe. <laughs> God knew all of this. And maybe just maybe you're almost like the prodigal in the story, not in a sin way, but in a way of you're just, you're in meaningless work that God says, I want to redeem that and I wanna do that. Maybe you're in a place where you're doing what you feel like God's called you to do, but it's just like, does this matter? And you may say, Aaron, do you ever feel that way? Absolutely. Again, there are times you wonder, what's the so what? What's the ROI? What's the return on the investment? I'm giving up my time. I'm giving up my life. I'm giving up my energy. I'm evaluating that all the time. From a business perspective, Peter Drucker says that every time you should ask this question of every organization, what's business and house business? I think it's true of our own lives. And Drucker was a Christ follower. And I think we should say, why am I on this planet and how am I doing with that? What's God called me to do and how am I doing with that? Because I'm just going to tell you something. One of the greatest detriments of this is success. It's not failure. People that fail get marginalized, but people that get successful, everybody wants to have a piece of you and everybody has an idea on what you should do. Do you know how many times I've had people, well-meaning good people come to me and say, I think you should leave where you are and do X, Y, and Z. I think you should depart from here and do this. I think you've done enough there. I think you should go to and in the moment, if you're not careful and you let your ego, you let your flesh, you let whatever, you can get sucked into a conversation and it's like, they don't really know best for me. Who knows best for me? The Lord and me. And so I'm not doing this by default. I'm doing this by design. And so, so the truth of the matter is, is that I want to make sure that what I'm doing works and I want to make sure that what I'm, what, the work that I'm doing matters. And I want to make sure that ultimately when I stand before God, I'm doing this unto him. I'm seeking him first and not me first. You know Why? Because I figured this out a long time ago. I don't know what's best. I've had this conversation with Tammy all the time. I don't know what's best. I have at 50, almost 51, I've come to the conclusion. Man, see, I'm an eternal optimist in this way. Like I don't, they don't let me hire people at the church because there'll be a guy coming out of prison or a gal coming out of uh, incarceration. And I'll just say, man, they are charismatic. They're gifted. They're a good communicator. They have great people skills. There's just really, wow, the emotional intelligence. You'd make a great kids pastor. You'd make a great youth pastor. You do great with junior hires. Yeah. We don't do that, so don't think, oh my goodness, is this what's going on? No, no, I'm just saying like, I just see the king of people. I don't care where you come from. It's like, man, you do great with this. You do, but, and, and, and so the deal is Ryan's always like, hey, 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 let, let, let us do some of the background checks and some stuff and whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's just, you guys take care of the details, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> Titus 3.14 says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so ask to help in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Fruitfulness counts. Yes, we're faithful, but we also need to be fruitful. And there are so many times in scripture, in the New Testament, in Jesus' teaching, where he talks about not just being faithful, but being fruitful. Parable of the talents, the vineyard workers, the master who calls for the for, for the marriage and for a marriage ceremony and ask people to come. It's not just being faithful. It's about being fruitful. It's about doing work that matters. 
because ultimately I stand before the Lord. So I got to do what I'm called to do and I got to kind of stay in my lane, but I've got to ask myself that question. Am I doing work that matters? Third question is this, will you persevere? Will you persevere? Sounds really simple, but it's a whole lot more complicated. Will you persevere? Verse 13. And as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. It's an interesting statement. Do not grow weary in doing good. Because most of the time we think, hey, if I'm doing good, then that's going to be empowering. If I'm doing good, that's not draining. If I'm doing good, then, man, I'm, I'm on the mountaintop. And, 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 the rest of, and those of you that think that way think that these angels write the sermons for me and, and everything just happens and we just sit around and drink coffee and pray and read the Bible all day. I wish it were that easy. The truth of the matter is, is that, is that when you're doing what God's called you to do, it can be tough. When you're living the life that God's called you to live, it can be difficult. When you're walking according to scripture and we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, there's none of us that are righteous, no, not one. But when we're endeavoring to live a life that's pure and holy before the Lord, it could become very weary. I heard it said this way one time, be careful that the work of God doesn't kill the work of God in you. Be careful that the work of God, whatever it is that you're doing, the good work that you're doing, doesn't kill the work of God in you, which means you've got to nurture and you've got to take care of and you've got to cultivate your own personal spirit, your own personal devotional time, your own personal connection to the Lord. Because if not, what tends to happen is that sometimes even in doing good things, we get lost in the doing good and we forget the person behind it, which is Jesus. And we forget the calling which comes from Jesus. And we forget the reason which we're there for. It's not about us, it's about others. And all of a sudden it becomes this very insulated, isolated doing good work, but it becomes so laborious and so heavy. Why? Because we're not doing it the way God called us to do it. So how do I work to persevere? I just want to give you a couple thoughts and then I'm going to close on sustainable pace because I think this is really important because I don't think most people want to burn out. I don't think most people want to like, you know, uh, get weary in doing good. So how do I not do that? You say no more often. Say no more often. Saying yes to one thing is saying no to something else. Again, why are you on this planet? What has God called you to do? You cannot say yes to everything. Can I just help you with something? A healthy balance and everything comes in seasons. I get this. But hey, this is how Tammy and I have done it. Raising two daughters in the church parsonage, if you would. I never went to church during the week. We go to church on the weekends. Dad goes to the office during the week. So dad's at work. So we separated the work of ministry and the gathering of the saints together. Two separate things. So if you talk to both of my daughters growing up, they love Life Church. They love you. They love going to Life Kids. The reason why we have vibrant ministries in these areas is because my kids grew up in these. And so the truth of the matter is, is back in the early days that we were doing four weekend services in like 07 at, at, uh, at the Germantown campus. And they were at all four because this is how, this is what we did. We just, we do church. We, our family's going to go to church. I was raised and my dad's not a pastor. My dad's a factory worker. I was raised that if the church was open, and there were services, we were there. I'll never forget one time when one pastor got real spiritual and it was going to be on a Friday night during a football game and we were going to have church. And my dad said, I said, do I have to? I mean, it's a big deal, dad. And he goes, yep, you're going to be at church. 
That's just what you did. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if you had ball practice, you came to church on Wednesday night. This is what we did. This is, so back then too, it was Sunday morning, Sunday school. Anybody remember this? Sunday night. Uh, uh, some of you, Wednesday night, you know, then you, you might have a Bible study or something going on. Occasionally the pastor get real spiritual. I hated that. Get real spiritual and cause these revival meetings and we had to be, we were at church. It's one of the reasons why like, I, I, I miss, like there was a wonderful world of Disney every Sunday night at six o'clock. I never saw that. You know why? Because we have VCR. Why do you need a VCR? That's just, you don't need to watch that stuff. Just go outside and play. Like go throw rocks at each other. Just, just go outside, just do whatever, right? <laughs> Video games, what's that? I mean, I remember the Atari 2600, anybody? Holla, I mean, I have a full-size arcade game in my basement and it has Frogger and Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man. Yes, don't hate me because you ain't me. I got it all because I didn't, I didn't get to do all that stuff as a kid because my dad was like, go outside, y'all. You're going to rot your brains out on, those, on TV. That, you only had 13 channels. You remember that, 13 channels? And then it, at midnight, beep, or it'd be the big chief 10. I mean, it's just like, what? What is this? I'll digress, but, but I'm going somewhere. So just hold on with me for a second. We, this is what we did. It didn't kill me. It created a discipline and a rhythm in my life. That's what we did. So as we had kids, that's what we did. And now my daughters today that are once 21, once 24, they both tell you, hey, no, we love church. It's just what we did. I didn't bring work home. I came home. We had dinner because family dinner is important. So I didn't do a lot of night meetings. So if you needed to meet with me and counsel with me, I, I, I even like, I'm not a counselor. Listen, anybody that's ever counseled with me in the church are probably are still not at the church. I don't think anybody in this room I've counseled with because people that go to counseling for me, they don't like me afterwards because I'm just like, what do you, what's your problem? Okay, stop it. <laughs> that's it. Anything else? Just, just quit. Oh, you want somebody to pray with you? Okay, Jesus helped them to stop it in your name. Amen. Anything else? I mean, I'm just telling you, like, I'm a horrible counselor. Horrible counselor. So I don't do counseling, and I didn't do a lot of night stuff, and we didn't do a lot of other stuff, and people would come in from other churches, and what about this, and they did this at this church, and what about, and da, 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 and I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that here. I didn't get to watch Wonderful World of Disney. I'm not doing Saturday, Sunday nights. That's the only reason we don't do Sunday nights. You understand that, don't you? It's, I, I'm having like PTSD from my childhood. Like I had to go to church so much. I'm just saying we, we went to, this is so you say, this is what we're going to do. I, I think everybody should find a place to serve. I just think serving is, is healthy. I think it's great to model for your kids. And when our daughters got into middle school, it was like, hey, you're not in, you're not in, in life kids anymore. You need to find a place to serve. Because you're here for services and you're going to be here for services as long as you're on my payroll. Amen. There was no question. And so this is what we're going to do. And so they thought, yeah, so you can either sit in church and hear me four times. Four, one, two, three, four. Could you imagine? <sighs> Anyhow, I just were like, if my dad's the, no way, no way. And Anna hated to be used as illustrations, mortified. Do not even call her name. Ava was like, dad, I'm on the front row. If you need me for an illustration, I'll be right there. <laughs> so totally different. So, so you find a place to serve. This is what we do, right? This is it. And, and, and then find a small group. Find a place to do community with people. And, 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 in, and in doing that, you set a sustainable pace to what are you saying yes? Only say yes to the things that meet the design that God's called you to, not the default. Leave margin. That's the second thing for sustainable pace. Leave margin. Have a little bit of extra space and a little bit of extra time. Don't fill everything. You don't know what God may do. Give God room. Sometimes God wants to work in our lives, but we're so jam-packed with everything else. And listen, you can go, well, it's just, it's just the way the world works. That's the problem. 
You're living like the world. We're not called to live like the world. We're called to live like Jesus. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus did life with people. Jesus spent time with people. There had to be margins. Look at the fights he broke up and and, and the disagreements he had to have. And look at all that he was dealing with. Third thing I would say about sustainable pace is redeem your time by being in the moment. Paul says to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 5, 16, make most of every opportunity. Wherever you are, be all there. Look, I'm telling you, I'm type A and I have a certain amount of adult ADD. It's like, there's, I can tell you stories and I can just t- go on tangents. But it's in that moment. So if I'm with you, I'm with you. If I'm in that meeting, I'm in that meeting. It's like I have this policy. If I serve, I serve on multiple boards and do things. When, my, when the tires of my car go into that parking lot, I'm engaged in what I'm doing. And as soon as they leave that parking lot, I'm done. I'm on to the next thing. In this moment, I'm right here. This is where I'm at. I'm not where I'm going to be at five o'clock. I'm not at the noon Packer game today. I'm not, I'm right here in this moment. I may not get to that next thing. This is where I'm at. I'm at my kid's sporting event right now. This is where I'm at. So turn the phone on, do not disturb and put it away. Guess what? They'll figure it out. I'm, I'm, I'm here on a date night with my spouse. This is where I'm at in this moment. And when we're done at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, I I may have to do some other work, but that's 10, 30, 11 o'clock, right? I'm in this moment right now. I'm at the gym. I'm in this moment. This is where I'm at right now. I, I'm, 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 I'm in a small, it's where I'm at right now. What, make the most of every single moment. Keep it a sustainable pace. Take a Sabbath. Do what you're doing right now. The greatest thing you can do is set a rhythm of six days on and one day off. Six days on and one day off. That, Orthodox Jews, even to today, practice this. Six days on, six days of work, one day off. That's how God did it. In six days, he created the heavens and the earth. And then he took the one day and he rested. The seventh day, seven, the number of perfection. You're not gonna get ahead. Like in American culture, I don't know how much more we need to see this. Look at companies and organizations that close their doors on Sundays for their family. And they honor a Judeo-Christian value of six days on and one day off. Have you been to a Chick-fil-A that there wasn't a line in the drive-thru? They're fast. I get you that. They're really fast, like crazy fast. Like sometimes I just go through them just because it's like, this is amazing. The efficiency of these people and this chicken sandwich is awesome. But, 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 but the point I'm making to you is, is, is they had the six in one rhythm. They're not losing money. I go down the list, Hobby Lobby the same way, the Green family. And he's planning on giving everything away just giving it all away to ministry so it doesn't corrupt the family. How many billionaires on the Forbes list can say that? But my point is, is because it's this value of six days on, one day off, six days on, one day off, six days on, one day off. And the other thing I'd say to you is enjoy the journey. Do you realize that God created the heavens and the earth and the fullness thereof for your enjoyment? I know we're gonna change the world. I know we're gonna reach everybody for Jesus. We're, we're going to translate the Bible in every, in every lone heart language that there is. We're, we're, we're going to do, give a cold, cup of cold water in Jesus' name, and we're going to feed people, and we're going to clothe people, and we're going to help people, and we're going to show kindness, and we're going to witness to people, and we're going to live like Jesus and be light and darkness, and we're going to do all that stuff. But there's also a value in going fly fishing. And there's also, like I said, fishing. That's my southern roots coming out. There's no G at the end of that, fly fishing. We're going to go hunting. We're going to go shopping. 
God created malls too. Amen, ladies? That was a perfect time for you to say amen. I'm just telling you. We're going to enjoy sporting activities. We're going to enjoy our family. We're going to enjoy holidays. We're going to enjoy times off. We're going to enjoy vacations. We're going to enjoy going to the beach or to the mountains or just taking a walk and just enjoying the beautiful fall foliage that we have here in Wisconsin. Or one of my favorite things to do is to walk through the neighborhood after everything is snowed at nighttime and it's just quiet. And enjoy the journey. John Ortberg said this, and I close. For most of us, the great danger is not that we'll renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. That we'll just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Today, are you gonna live life by default or by design? It's your choice. Will you do work that matters? And you will you persevere to do what God's called you to do? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today, God, for your word. I thank you for this very simple teaching that Paul just tucks in right here to the church in Thessalonica as we read it today. And I pray in these next few moments, Lord, to every single campus, as the worship bands make their way and lead in one last song before the campus pastors come out. I just pray, God, that we would just take a moment and just kind of do a personal inventory of our own self. And am I living life by design or by default? Maybe there's someone that's here that's far away from you, Lord, that don't have a personal relationship with you, Jesus. It's as simple as accepting and believing and confessing, Jesus, that you are Lord that you're the son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. Help us, Lord, to ask ourselves, is what we're doing with our lives, does it matter? And if it doesn't, then let us give it to you. And Lord, let, let you open up the doors and the ways in which to help us to do a life and live a life that does matter. Purpose. And even if we have purpose, sometimes, man, it becomes difficult. Give us strength today. Your word says that we are to seek you today, that tomorrow has not yet come and yesterday is gone. We live today. So as long as it is today, God, give us strength for the journey. Help us to persevere in Jesus' name. Amen.